This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. This episode is brought to you by Thorne, and I have some incredible news for any of you that are in the military, first responder, or medical professions. In an effort to give back, Thorne is now offering you an ongoing 35% off each and every one of your purchases of their incredible nutritional solutions. Now, Thorne is the official supplement of CrossFit, the UFC, the Mayo Clinic, the Human Performance Project, and multiple special operations organizations. I myself have used them for several years, and that is why I brought them on as a sponsor. Some of my favorite products they have are their Multivitamin Elite, their Whey Protein, the Super EPA, and then most recently, Cinequil. As a firefighter, a stuntman, and a martial artist, I've had my share of brain trauma and sleep deprivation, and Cinequil is their latest brain health supplement. Now, to qualify for the 35% off, Go to thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Click on sign in and then create a new account. You will see the opportunity to register as a first responder or member of military. When you click on that, it will take you through verification with GovX. You'll simply choose a profession, provide one piece of documentation, and then you are verified for life. From that point onwards, you will continue to receive 35% off through Thorn. Now, for those of you who don't qualify, there is still the 10% off using the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, for a one-time purchase. 
Now, to learn more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of the Behind the Shield podcast with Joel Totoro and Wes Barnett. This episode is brought to you by LifeAid, and I have subscribed to one of their products, FocusAid, for several years now, and I'm usually drinking it when I'm doing the interviews. As many of you are probably aware, there is an energy drink crisis, and most of these products are horrendous for your health. LifeAid has created a brand new holistic alternative called FitAid Energy. At only 15 calories, these drinks are full of BCAAs, turmeric, B-complex, glucosamine, and only have 200 milligrams of caffeine from green tea extract. They are naturally sweetened using products like agave nectar and come in four amazing flavors, mango sorbet, peach mandarin, blackberry pineapple, and raspberry hibiscus. And I have to say the mango one is absolutely my favorite. Now, many of nutritionists on this show have hailed the power of caffeine when used correctly. They also talk a lot about not using it closer to bedtime. So me personally, I like to use their energy drink in the morning now. And then as it goes into the afternoon time, switch to focus aid. Therefore, I'm not disrupting my circadian rhythm. Now, LifeAid is offering you, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, 30% off your first purchase with free shipping. If you go to fitaidenergy.com forward slash BTS. That's fitaidenergy.com forward slash BTS. And if you want to hear more about LifeAid and the man behind it, listen to episode 207 with the founder, Aaron Hind. Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show Sheena Sherapata. Now, what makes storytelling so important is that so many people out there are suffering, many of whom simply cannot find the root cause of their pain, whether physical or mental. This was the case with Sheena, a high school soccer athlete who then endured years of facial pain, migraines, and associated issues. It was sheer coincidence where she was able to find the diagnosis trigeminal neuralgia. So we discuss a host of topics from the signs and symptoms she endured, how they didn't match the textbook diagnoses, the incredible surgery that revolutionized her life, her work with Sons of the Flag, and so much more. Before we get to this incredible conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every single five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of over 640 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person on planet Earth who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Sheena Sherapata. Enjoy. Sheena, I want to start by saying thank you so much for initially reaching out, but also coming on the Behind the Shield podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you have been on an incredible journey that I know a lot of people listening um, are going to gain a huge amount from, especially people that have 
tried so hard to find solutions for some of the suffering that they're enduring, and I hope this might open some eyes for that. So very, very first question, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? <laughs> I am in Dallas, Texas. Um, and yes, this has just been an interesting journey for me. It's been about 18 years that I was misdiagnosed and then finally was able to get this figured out. Brilliant. Well, let's start at the very beginning of your timeline then. So tell me where you were born and tell me a little bit about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Hinsdale, Illinois. And then I've got an older brother. He's two years older. And my parents, um, we were in Chicago. So my dad worked for Ford Motor Company. And then my mom worked with the school district for the admin, admin building. And originally we were in Chicago and then Michigan, and then we were brought down to Texas through Ford. And then once we were here, my mom loved the weather a lot more than up north. <laughs> so we've been here ever since. So you were telling me before we started recording, your family lineage goes back to Eastern Europe. So which relatives um, you know, were born and bred there? And tell me about their kind of immigration story. Yeah. So my mom's side, um, my mom was born here, but my great grandma is actually Ukrainian. So they came over and actually were in Canada and then came down to Wisconsin area. And then my dad's side of the family is German, Polish and Czechoslovakian. So my last name is pronounced Sherapata, but actually used to be the CZ, like a Sherapata, and then was changed when his side of the family came over as well. And then um, he actually recently traced the lineage back to, I believe it's my great, great, great grandfather is buried in Wisconsin and they know where the family's actually located. So that's what he's been doing during retirement. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, then. When you were kind of school age, talk to me about your athletics. Yeah. So when I was five, I started playing soccer and absolutely loved it. Um, and even prior, when I was three, I was always running everywhere. So in our house in Texas, I actually, my mom had just mopped the floor. So I'm running down the hallway and she's like, Sheena, don't run. And of course, I stop and turn and slip and hit my head on the wall and on the tile and I actually got a concussion when I was three years old and remember the whole day and going to the hospital. So that kind of started my concussion trend and um, started playing soccer and absolutely loved it. And from when I was about 14 to 17, I actually had about eight concussions from playing soccer. So when you look at youth soccer at the moment. My son did it for a few years. The younger kids are actually forbidden to head the ball. So what were the rules when you were playing? Oh, gosh, we didn't have any. <laughs> um, we just had our shin guards. And then I played sweeper. And I absolutely loved headers, super competitive, stubborn. So I would just jump up. And even though I was one of the tiniest little ones out there, I was super aggressive and would jump up and head the ball, um, you know, corner kicks, shots on goal. And towards, I think when I was about 16, they actually had these headbands that came out that absorbed the shock. But at the time when I played, if you wore anything like had a knee injury and wore a brace, then other people would target you to try to take you out of the game. So I was always like, no, I'm not going to wear that. You know, I don't need to wear it. And um, obviously, the corner kicks and heading the ball was causing issues. But separately, 
two of my concussions were actually red cards on the other team. So on one of them, um, which is kind of, even if you prevent the the headers now when they're younger, there's still obviously red cards and yellow cards that can happen. But I was running up the field and this girl came and just slide tackled me and my feet went left and my head just went straight down into the ground. Um, and then another one, I beat the player and she was upset And after the play, she ran up and just elbowed me straight up into my temple. And that was another concussion from that. So both of those were red cards. Now, of these impacts, did you have any loss of consciousness or or acute symptoms after that hit? Um, So in the beginning, what would happen with these is I would actually get little floaters kind of um, in my vision. And it almost was like blurred and just straining. And then I had a vertigo where my hands felt like they were super far in front of me. And then my hand would tingle like when your foot falls asleep and it would go up into my whole arm and go completely numb. And if I lifted my arm up, it would just drop like dead weight. So I couldn't even like feel my arm. And most people are like, are you having a stroke? Like what's going on? And I would go to the hospital every time, get CT scans, get MRIs, And when the MRIs were done, it was real simple, you know, no tumors, no aneurysms, no MS, no white matter. You're fine. (laughs) You know, sit out two weeks and you're good to go. Now, even with that sitting out, what you see in high school, college, professional sports is, you know, there's there's not a self-reporting element because they don't want to be held from games. Did that factor in as well? Yeah, I mean... (sighs) If someone, you know, if you have a major concussion like this, I mean, two weeks, and that's kind of what I'm hearing now. And two weeks really is nothing when you think about that impact that you're having and everything is moving around inside. And and yeah, you know, people don't want to sit out. So if you're not losing conscious, you know, consciousness, um, you could easily just keep playing and then you're just back in the game, back at practice. And, you know, there's athletic scholarships on the line, state championships, games. And um, I actually had a full ride scholarship to three separate colleges and then ended up having to quit going into my senior year because I just had had too many of them. So as you were progressing through the, you know, the, the grades in high school, what were you thinking of becoming career-wise? Um, I think career-wise at the time, I was really looking at either getting into like business um, and my focus. I mean, I really wanted to play in college. You know, I played on a select team and all of my friends went to, you know, the University of Texas or SMU or Colorado And that was kind of my ultimate goal. I've been playing since I was five. I wanted to go to school and I guess soccer was kind of coming first in my mind. And then obviously doing business or getting into marketing and advertising, um, which is what I eventually did. But I remember going to Santa Clara on a college visit and they had a big whiteboard up that had a list of about 10 girls' names from across the country of who they were recruiting. And my name was on that board. So that was kind of one of the coolest moments that our whole team was there. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is going to be a reality. So conversely, though, you're, you're seeing this kind of um, continuous TBI element. Um, what, what was that shift in you? Were you told yourself by someone else that you can't continue or were you finding it within your own kind of physical mental health? 
Um, so it was more my own physical mental health. Um, and as I'll tell you in a little bit, I call it my God voice, just this feeling from above. And I had had about eight concussions. And like I said, every time went in and same thing, you look fine. Well, I started getting these episodes where it was that blurred vision vertigo hand and arm would go numb. And I would just then get an ice pick pain right here in the center of my eye, kind of where your sinuses are. And I would throw up like crazy. And then these episodes started happening, you know, several times a month and it just kind of kept progressing. And my last game I was running and there was a girl who was probably twice my size who went to kick the ball. And right when she was kicking, I had kind of turned um, to kind of switch around and the, she had kicked it so fast that it just hit the back of my head. And right then my whole arm just went numb. And I was like, I, I can't keep doing this to myself. And I just knew at that time, you know, the full ride scholarship, all my friends going to school. Um, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I even found a poem that I wrote looking back and it's basically why, you know, why did this happen to me? Why can't I play? Why can't, this is my passion. Why, why, why? And I didn't understand it, you know, at the time. So what was that like processing that then? So, you know, you've been playing since you were a young girl, you kind of get to this pinnacle, you discover that you've been gotten, been given this full ride scholarship and the very sport that took you to college was also the one that had, had broken your body. Uh, it was heartbreaking. Um, you know, luckily I came from a family where um, my parents basically said, you know, you've, you've done the grades, like we're going to basically pay for college. But I was like, I could have had that covered. I did that myself. I could have had that paid for. And I got into several schools that I should have been super appreciative to have been able to even get into those schools. And I went to the University of Oklahoma for four years and graduated with honors. But at the time, it just didn't seem exciting or important to me that I got into those schools because to me, I couldn't do what I had set out for my path. And obviously, when you're younger, you think you can plan, you know, your whole life away. <laughs> and that's not how life works. <laughs> so. so what about in the college years then? You stopped soccer, but obviously there was definitely some sort of damage at that point. Did anything manifest those next few years? Yeah, so I... I tried to play intramural soccer and that didn't work out too well. And I just knew, you know, I can't keep doing this. And even despite all that, you know, I graduated with honors, had great friends, had an amazing time. Um, and then I even had a shift where right when I was graduating, I thought, wow, I could go into physical therapy and really help people who are going through sports injuries. And at the time I thought I just had migraines with aura is what I've been told the whole time. Um, so I thought about actually shifting because I had pushed away all of that. Um, that's kind of my one negative. Uh, my defense mechanism is kind of just block it off and move forward. And, you know, I didn't want to see all the sports and people playing. And if I would have not done that and really processed it, then I would have most likely gone into something with nursing or physical therapy. But obviously, I absolutely love what I'm doing now um, and wouldn't change any of that. But yeah, it was just hard to kind of process all that and really appreciate everything that I was going through at the time. Now, when I look back. So talk to me about the migraines. I've suffered from them for quite a few years. 
shift work absolutely made it worse 100% sleep deprivation um chiropractic then stress relief definitely has helped uh, um and then alcohol was a trigger i mean i know that and acknowledge that um but you know they're they're pretty awful when i get them they're when when they were a full full blown they were two day event you know vomiting diarrhea um just awful like light sensitivity the whole works and sometimes I still had to function as a firefighter, whether I liked it or not. Oh, yeah. So what was your, you know, kind of lead me through your headache journey up to that point? Yeah. So the previous ones were the the vertigo, the blurred vision, the whole arm, the ice pick pain and the throwing up. Well, after college, it decided it went into my whole left leg twice, which went completely numb. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like what's next? Um, and then this all completely stopped and it changed. So then I started when I was about 26, 27, having crazy head pressure every day. It felt like my head was in a vice 24 seven. And then my eyes felt like they were going to pop out of my head. And I even went to the eye doctor to have my eye pressures tested to see if something was wrong. I would get plugged ears ringing in my ears floaters, strained vision, and all of this would just be random. And then my muscles in my neck and my shoulders and my back hurt so bad that I was getting about six deep tissue massages a month. I mean, I couldn't even sit in my chair. I would be so antsy and achy that I would just literally go to a massage place and be like, help me right now. I can't, I can't work. And then my hand would still go numb and I would kind of hit it and shake it um, to wake it up. And I finally started taking BC powder, which is caffeine and aspirin, and that would help me. And don't ever do this, but I was eventually taking two or three in the, a day in the end, which I know is probably going to kill me in my insides from taking all of that medicine, but it was the only thing that helped me. So then when I was about 30, that hit the worst. So it was basically all of that every day kept getting worse and worse. And I noticed the big triggers was stress, lack of sleep, barometric pressure changes. When the storms in Texas came in, I was like a weatherman. I knew when it was coming. And even certain foods um, can actually trigger you know, inflammation and make things worse. And when I was probably 30 to 32, I was literally coming to work, working all day. We do all these um, events, like I said, with Ryan and Sons of the Flag. There's our awards right there for our shoot in August. And each of these events, we donate anywhere from forty to 60000 back to a nonprofit. And I'm the one that runs these at the store, you know, do, do all the networking, all the connecting, all the setup, all, everything. So if I didn't do that, then these nonprofits weren't getting the money. And that's what kept me going. So I would work, 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 go home and literally would take a RZA trip tan, pass out for four hours, wake up, go to bed, didn't eat. So I literally went from being about probably 140 pounds at one point healthy down to 117. And people at work kept saying, what's wrong with you? Like, you look sick. Like, are you not eating? What's wrong with you? And everyone kept saying that. And it drove me nuts. I was like, I'm fine. I look fine. And now when I look back, I literally look like I'm anorexic practically. And I just didn't know because I felt so horrible. Um, And then finally, 32 is when everything 
changed. So I was just talking to someone and out of nowhere, I call it a stab. There's an electric shock. Some call them electric pulses, a spasm, a puff of air right in my eye. So I would just be talking and what is that? And it just feels like someone takes a ice pick and stabs it straight into the corner of your eye and you don't know when it's coming. (laughs) It just happens. And I've even had them where it's one, two, three, four, five in a row in your eye. And then I started getting them in my ear as well. So I would wake up in the morning, roll over, and then it was just stab, 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 stab in my ear. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have an aneurysm and I'm dying. (laughs) Like I need to go in. So I ended up going into a top-notch facility in Dallas and they looked over all my imaging and they said, once again, no tumors, no aneurysms, no MS, no white matter. You have migraines. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like something's wrong. And thank goodness my mom and dad went with me to the appointment and my mom just goes trigeminal neuralgia. She goes, my sister has this. Can we please rule this out? So you have 12 cranial nerves in your head. And the fifth one starts right kind of in the sinuses up your forehead, around your temple, behind your ear and down your neck. And if you Google this, basically, if you have a blood vessel, a vein or artery touching your nerve, you can't even touch your face. Like if the air, the wind blows on it, you get shooting electric pain your teeth hurt, shocks in your teeth. Individuals have to grind up their food in a blender to even eat it. And it's known as the suicide disease because that blood vessel keeps wearing down the myelin sheath nerve coating. And as you get older, it's more direct contact, more pain. Well, that sounds nothing like what I have. Could touch my face, you know? So the doctor in Dallas is like, you don't have that. Like, that's not right at all. So we did a Fiesta MRI with and without contrast and the radiologist read it as negative. So when I got that report back, I was just devastated. I was like, I thought I had this. I want this. (laughs) And everyone (laughs) thinks it's crazy. Um, My boyfriend, when we first started dating, he's like, how do you wish people to have this? And I said, it's not that it's just, it's the validation. Like you want answers. So then you can make a plan because most of these people are searching for years and tons of doctors and you just want to know what's going on. So I'll never forget is three days later at seven o'clock at night and I'm at home and I'm literally crying and I'm like, what is going on? And my phone rings and it knew the neurosurgeon's office number. So it said like neurosurgeon. And I was like, what? And I answer the call and he says, Hey, Sheena, I'm looking at your imaging and I just want to let you know the radiologist is wrong. You actually have this. You have a major artery touching your nerve. And then he goes, You can take anti seizure pills your whole life, do laser radiation, or we can do a surgery where we drill a hole in your head. Let me know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Are there more options? Wait, what? (laughs) So that's kind of how the the diagnosis happens. Let's do all three. Sounds like fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, then I just want to backtrack for a second. Obviously, there's a huge amount of discomfort. As you said, you're you're taking sedatives to even get a semblance of sleep. How much actual sleep are you getting through these months and years? Oh, not good sleep at all. Um, And... 
I was taking the risotriptan. So like I said, I was, gosh, when you take that, you are out for four hours and then you wake up and you're groggy. So I would literally take that at six o'clock, pass out till 10, wake up, maybe eat a snack. And then sometimes I would take a second one and then would just wake up at four or five and, and, and be up, you know, that you're just basically taking all these meds and then you're taking BC powder, which is basically, you know, making you just go a thousand miles an hour all day long. And the other component that came with it was um, tons of anxiety and emotional ups and downs. So I'm a super happy person, as you can probably see from all my pictures And I would have days where I would just start crying for no reason. And I would walk across the street to the gas station, wash my face, redo my makeup, walk back. And I never missed a day of work. So with the the sleep deprivation, something that I've really, you know, become much more educated. I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means, but, you know, a lot of a lot of great minds on here. One thing that, you know, has been validated is that when we're sleep deprived, including if you're taking a sedative, which does not put you into deep sleep, it makes you unconscious, two very different things. Um, there's a the demyelination of the sheath the same way as there is with TBI. So when you have a Navy SEAL who's battling TBI and or PTSD, and then they have sleep deprivation as well, you've magnified the damage of those nerves. And it sounds like the same thing was happening with you. Yeah, that I remember you telling me that the other day. And I'm like, I didn't even know that. So that makes me wonder about everyone who's going through that. If that's, you know, obviously, that's making it worse. Absolutely. Well, so you have this diagnosis, you have A, B or C as your choices. Yeah. Walk me through, <laughs> you know, if you make a decision or if that ultimately or, or where that leads you to as far as, a, you know, an incredible neurosurgeon. Yeah. So I had already been taking these BC powders and I did some blood work and they were kind of like, you need to stop taking these meds. Like this is, things aren't normal. You need to stop taking the meds. So I was like, I'm not taking pills. I've always had that feeling from above not to take pills. So I was actually looking at this, you know, laser radiation because basically they do the radiation and it's supposed to help with the nerve. And I got in the forums online and several people who did this radiation said, if I could do it all over again, I would have just done the surgery. And I kept seeing that over and over. And the gamma knife actually damages the nerve, causes scar tissue, and a lot of people won't do the surgery after. So that was all I needed to know. I was like, okay, so I need to do this surgery. And the surgery is called MVD for microvascular decompression. And they drill a tiny little hole about the size of the quarter behind your ear. And then they go in and put a Teflon spacer between the blood vessel vein or artery that is touching the nerve. So they no longer touch each other. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this surgery. And I actually Googled in this video at Johns Hopkins at the time with Dr. Lim came up. I didn't even watch it, called it my God voice. I'm like, that's where I'm supposed to go. And um, everyone thought I was nuts. They're like, you're going to Johns Hopkins? Like what? So I actually called up there, filled out the paperwork. And they said, you don't get to pick who you go to. You've got to fill this out. Our whole neurosurgeon team reviews it and we'll assign someone to you. So I was like, okay. And three days later, they call and they say, Dr. Lim would like to see you. I was like, okay. So I literally jump on a plane at 7 a.m. by myself, fly to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. 
have an appointment with him and flew back the same day. And he said, you have this, I can help your shocks and stabs, but I have no clue about all this other stuff going on, if it's going to help you or not. So I was a little kind of deterred at first. And then I said, what would you do if you were me? And he literally paused and said, I know God's telling me to tell you, I know I can help you with surgery. And I was like, all right, I'm in. So we booked surgery three weeks later and it was actually a one night stay and two and a half hours surgery. And they do 3D mapping ahead of time for extra navigation. Um, So there's a lot of people who are like, oh, they just go in there and look for it. I'm like, no, (laughs) there's actually high res imaging, uh, the stereotactic and wand MRI that can be done for navigation. And when he went in there, he put the Teflon between. So if it's a major artery, they can only put Teflon in there. And if it's a blood vessel um, or a vein, they can cauterize it or put Teflon, just whatever they see fit. So after he put that major spacer in, I had another major area touching that went down into my brainstem and he was able to put Teflon in there, which they call decompressing it. And there was this kind of webby tissue material that they move out of the way and he left an area alone. And after the surgery, He told me, I'm so glad that you came to me. If an inexperienced neurosurgeon would have messed with that, you could have had a severe stroke. So my parents were like, we're so glad you're stubborn. (laughs) and didn't listen to us because they wanted me to stay in Texas and, you know, went to him. And um, I have a mesh with bone cement over the skull hole, which is more naturally accepted. And I actually have a good friend, Chelsea who had surgery done in New York, who has a titanium plate there. And her plate came out of her head and caused a CSF leak. And she ended up going to limb to have that removed. And when the bone cement was placed there a week later, she was at the park with her kids. So these are kind of some of the key things. No one really knows about trigeminal neuralgia or the surgery or what to even look for with the surgery. So... Now, if we'd had this conversation about two months ago, I would have just, you know, listened to that and carried on. About three weeks ago, I interviewed uh, Rob Bellot, who was the lawyer in the Dark Waters case. So yes, the, yes. the forever chemicals that are in Teflon. So has there been any discussion of that? And is it a, is a version that's surgical that doesn't have carcinogens in it? So what's funny is I actually, so I started following the podcast and I saw that. And what's so ironic is about two and a half weeks after my surgery, I'm sitting at home and I watched that movie (laughs) and it's all about Teflon. And I was like, oh, cool. I just put Teflon spacers in my head. And um, I was like, well, and it's kind of like the lesser of the evils when you're living this. But there actually is a woman that I talked to who had this surgery done at the time was 25 years ago. And now it's probably 28 or 29 and she has Teflon and she hasn't had any issues. So, but that is ironic. Cause I watched that and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, hopefully, yeah, maybe there's a different, you know, chemical makeup for that particular one. That's a surgical application. Um, yeah, cause I know and there is, th- Oh, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I think the danger as well comes from when it's heated. So maybe a yeah. body temperature that's not, you know, decomposing the same way. Yeah. And there are some doctors that are using glue 
that basically separates and then the glue is supposed to dissolve. But I know the younger you are, the tighter everything is in there. So just from talking to the team and the doctors, they've kind of said the younger you are, that they still want the Teflon because if the glue dissolves, that everything is so tight in there that it could end up just touching again. And then obviously you need to redo surgery. So, Well, you mentioned the suicide disease. So let's talk about that for a second. What are the stories that you've heard from you know these, these voices that have suffered from this? Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Um, there's actually a woman who reached out to me and she had been searching for eight or nine years and um, I apologize. Her husband reached out to me in a forum and was like, look, you know, nobody can help my wife. She was the CEO of a company. Um, no doctors know what's going on. This is ridiculous. So I kind of heard that voice help him, her. And I reached out and just said, Hey, give me a call when you're free. And literally five minutes later, my phone rang and he just started explaining, you know, the teeth, the shocks, the stabs. And like, she definitely has it. So I connected them to um, Stanford. Dr. Lim is now the head chair of neurosurgery at Stanford. So he left Hopkins to take that role. And they reached out to her that day, scheduled a consult for a week later, and she got confirmation that she has trigeminal neuralgia. And she ended up having surgery and had five places touching that he was able to fix. And before she had the surgery, she sent me this long, long, long message. And it was kind of one of the only times I ever talked with her about how difficult and dark and losing friends and family. And nobody understands what you're going through because you look fine, you know, from the outside. And I'll never forget. She basically texted and was like, on Monday, I gave up. On Tuesday, you reached out to my family. And on Wednesday, we spoke with the doctor to schedule a consultation. So just, you know, hearing these stories about being able, five minutes of my time gives someone hope and to get their life back potentially to look into this. And even this morning before this call uh, was an Air Force female veteran, and she's been to over 20 something doctors. No one believes her. They think she's a pill popper. And from the outside, you look fine, you know, and we finally crossed paths. And she has her confirmation. And she was like, Sheena, I was suicidal. I've called the hotline 12 times this year. I can't deal with this pain. And she's going the end of September to have surgery. So it's just, you know, how can this not be out there? And what gets a little more difficult is I actually ended up having this on the other side as well. And I never mentioned it because they say, nope, you can't be bilateral. Doesn't exist. Uh, you can't have that. It's too rare. So I never talked about my second side. And after this side was good, I brought up the other side and they looked at the imaging and they said, yes, you have it on the other side too. <laughs> I said, you got what? three options. <laughs> <laughs> you have three options. I was like, this is a joke, right? And, you know, I started playing the what if game. What if it doesn't go as well? What if? And then finally it was have the surgery, show you can be bilateral, go, go share this with the world and start a nonprofit. I was like, what? <laughs> you don't have time for that. So, but Ryan and Sherry with Sons of the Flag, you know, Ryan's like, is this going to help? Just do it, you know, just do it. And, you know, now just through helping them, 
Um, I'm going to start a nonprofit with some of the other, we call them MVD warriors and connecting and sharing our stories and being there for support. And, you know, no one understands unless you've really gone through this. So by us now sharing our successful stories, and I ended up having surgery on the other side, and I was Dr. Lim's seventh bilateral patient. And now fast forward, I've sent over 200 people to him. And many are veterans and first responders and athletes who have my different symptoms. So this is really the big, big aha moment, which Dr. Lim in Stanford is actually looking into concussions, TBI, head trauma now, because so many people who are going to him have these different symptoms of the crazy head pressure. We can touch our face. And my good friend, Tom, he's a Green Beret veteran, found me on LinkedIn. And he had actually even went to someone about trigeminal neuralgia and he could touch his face. They're like, no, you don't have it. And then when we crossed paths, I got him to Lim and Lim was like, yes, you have compressions. I see them. And I'll never forget. He goes, Dr. Lim said they had to peel the artery off his nerve. And when he woke up from surgery, all of his pressure was gone. The eye pain was gone. And then the shocks and stabs were gone. It was just like an immediate thing. Now, we talked about the concussive elements of soccer early on, but then you mentioned that your aunt had this as well. So what element is genetic and what element is environmental? Yes. Yeah, so she had more of the traditional of the teeth pain, and then she had had some dental work and concussions. And the traditional can actually be caused from bad dental work, a bad tooth pull, a bad root canal when it's really that nerve. And then my cousin, she has this as well. And she had concussions from cheerleading and had my different symptoms. And she went to Michigan and the imaging, they're like, nope, you don't have it. And she sent her same MRI to Dr. Lim and he found two places touching. So, so many don't even know how to read the imaging properly. So now they're kind of doing two things. They're looking into the concussions and the head trauma, but now they're going to start possibly looking into genetics and gene mapping because I have three people in my family that have this. And then I have nine people that I know that have three or more cases in their family. So what it appears is, is this something that is dormant and then a trigger of a trauma, concussion, car accident, domestic violence, bad root canal tooth pulled is flaring it. And what's even crazier, both sides is people who've gotten Corona who didn't have the vaccine and people who got the vaccine either or is bringing out inflammation in the body. So if they have that blood vessel vein or artery on the nerve, it's bringing out the symptoms. So I think it's a little of both. I definitely think there's the genetic component. And then I think, you know, or is there families that have this and they never suffered some sort of trauma to bring it out? And then, you know, the next family member that has the trauma, the symptoms, you know, present and then they get diagnosed with it. Um, but you hear all the time, all the families that have migraines in their family. 
So is it really what I have because I don't have the traditional symptoms? Yeah, very interesting. Now, there was a, uh, a film about a woman, I'm blanking on her name, but the, the film was Brain on Fire. Was that related yeah. to anything um, that we're talking about? Was it a different disease process? Yeah, that one was different. I can't remember the name of it, but I actually looked into that too. But it's something different. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's real interesting too is now Dr. Lim has become specialized that there's the trigeminal, which is your fifth nerve. Then you have geniculate, which you can't see on imaging. And then you have glossopharyngeal, which is your throat. So if you have swollen glands, your ear, your throat, your tongue, burning, swallowing, he can actually address all three nerves with the same MVD surgery now. And if you are having ear pain, you know, I was getting the stabs, the shocks, it can be deep pressure. My ear would even feel bruised to touch it, or it would feel like someone was sticking grass in it when nobody was touching it. And what's tricky is your ear can be any of those three nerves. So now if you go to him, you can get all three of those addressed at the same time. And that's kind of one of the huge things we're wanting to do with the nonprofit is to educate as I have three uh, people I talked to who thought, oh, this is all trigeminal neuralgia. And about a day or two before their surgery, I randomly said, hey, does your throat hurt? And they said, yeah, why? Isn't that all trigeminal? I'm like, oh my gosh, you have glossopharyngeal. So they brought it up to Lim. They looked and they had compressions there. So then he did both of those. And What's tricky is you can actually have a compression, but if you don't have symptoms, they're not just going to go decompress stuff because, you know, this is risky. You know, if you do the glossopharyngeal surgery wrong, you could actually have a feeding tube the rest of your life. So that's why you have to have someone who knows what they're doing and is experienced. And, you know, the level of pain that we're actually in, I had to sign off, you know, with any surgery, you know, death, coma, worse problems vision loss, hearing loss, facial paralysis. And it's hard for people to understand this, but I basically, I was okay. If I lost my vision or hearing, I was like, Hey, if it fixes all this other stuff, hallelujah. And, you know, to be in that mindset, that's when you know, you're ready for surgery. Absolutely. So what I've seen again, from many of the stories on here is, for example, someone's going down a mental health path. So they're trying counseling and EMDR and, you know, equine therapy, and it's not working. And again, the problem is TBI hasn't been brought in. A lot of these, you know, men and women were, you know, on on helicopters and, and rappelling down or they were breachers or, you know, whatever it was. And so they're getting this concussive, you know, impact over and over again. And sadly, from what I understand, some of the, the diagnoses of those particular injuries can only be done posthumously, you know, postmortem. So, um, you know, getting people to realize that there are more routes that you can take rather than, right. as you said, this is a migraine. I had I was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome when I was young, which is another term for I don't know what the fuck is going on by the medical community. Yeah. And it turns yeah. out, literally, I'm not exaggerating, I think it was... 20 plus years later, I went on a plant-based diet and it went away immediately. I was like, oh shit, it was milk. Uh, <laughs> I suffered for decades and all they had to say was, have you tried not drinking dairy? So huh. having this, you telling this story and having these tools, 
hopefully some people that have gone down a road and it's just because I've, I've with my migraines things did work chiropractic works sleep work abstinence of alcohol works beautiful yes. a very holistic way of me not getting migraines or if i do reducing the severity significantly um but if you're banging your head against a brick wall no pun intended and you know, other kind of roads that you're taking aren't working this is an incredibly important conversation to have Oh, yes. And the blessing is, you know, so many people, it's insane. Some of these doctors like primaries won't even order a MRI for some of the people that need help. And I stopped telling people to get a Fiesta MRI because half of these people like doctors don't know what the Fiesta MRI is. That's when you have done on May 5th. Is that right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a party. It's loud in there. It's like an hour and a half of it's crazy. But um limb is able to look at a regular MRI with and without contrast, which is a blessing because then people don't have to fight to at least get the Fiesta. And what is a huge blessing is you can reach out to them and basically set up a virtual consult. And then they set up a portal, you upload your imaging, and then you have a quick call and he'll say, yes, you have this. I can help you with surgery. Or maybe he'll say, no, you don't, but I see this. And then if anything, he can refer you to a top-notch doctor from him being at Johns Hopkins. And he is the most compassionate, genuine man who literally is just trying to help people. And it's just a blessing. I mean, everyone who works with him says the same thing. You know, he treats me like family. He's just trying to help. They actually follow up with me. So when I talk to people, you know, I'm not trying to tell people, I know I'm not a doctor, not giving medical advice, but if you go there, just see if you have this. And if you do, it doesn't mean you ever have to have surgery, but if you're a candidate, it's a blessing because not everybody is, you know, there are some people that, which, you know, have damage to that nerve and then they have different symptoms of like full burning. And then there's other avenues of people trying to learn how they can repair that nerve. So I've learned, Hey, see if you have it, if you do, you can have surgery, and if you don't, then he can refer you somewhere. Beautiful. Well, tell me about the nonprofit. You know, what, what is it going to look like, and then where can people find that? Yeah, so we're actually um, in the process right now of doing the website. So it is going to be about MBD warriors and connecting individuals. And like I said, Ryan and Sherry with Sons of the Flag have been such a huge blessing and just kind of offering advice and kind of how Sons of the Flag operates where, you know, they work with a team of specific doctors in Florida and are able to send the burn survivors there and insurance picks up most of those procedures. And then they help with transportation and travel and hotel stay and cost. And then they're actually funding um, fellowships and research. That would kind of be our goal long term. So obviously starting out would be just doing what we're already doing. And that's what Sherry said one day. She's like, Sheena, you really just need to start a nonprofit. And I said, yeah, that's a lot of work. She goes, you're already doing it. You know, you're already sending everyone there. And, you know, when people have surgery, I'll talk to them on the phone for an hour and give them pre and post-op advice that helped me um, be able to be back at work after two weeks um, after both of my surgeries. Typical recovery is six to 12 weeks. And I'm stubborn and did too. (laughs) So I just share, you know, what worked best for me. And that's, what's really helping a lot of these people and 
to not feel alone, you know, from the outside, you look fine. But when someone actually says, yeah, when you get that stab, you know, when your throat hurts, when your hand does this, when you feel this way to understand that brings that comfort. And then to get the validation of the diagnosis is half the battle. So connecting them, sharing the processes, how this works, how the surgery. So that would kind of be the initial. And then I have another friend, Phoenix, who is in Maryland, who has the traditional side. So she's going to share her story because the recovery is a little bit different. We found the people who have only teeth pain don't have head pressure And when they wake up from surgery, they have crazy pressure for about two weeks. Whereas someone like me from head trauma, I always have head pressure. And when I wake up, it's a lot easier because most of my head pressure is gone. And you're just like, what? So we kind of can help tell the difference. And then Chelsea, who I mentioned, is a part of that as well, because she's sharing the story of, you know, you can't just go anywhere for this. And what did happen with that titanium plate and the CSF leaks and what we're learning. So we're going to be connecting, helping. And then down the road, we would like to eventually kind of see how Sons of the Flag is funding research, you know, with Dr. Lim. Like you mentioned, you know, gene mapping, genetics, concussions, head trauma, helping fund that. And then eventually being able to help individuals if they need help with transportation costs and Uh, Stanford actually has a international medical services program where I've sent people from Switzerland, Canada, Germany, and now there's a two in Canada where they are doing GoFundMe pages to raise $60,000 to be able to have this surgery, which is actually a $250,000 to $300,000 surgery. But they're able, through IMS, they were able to get it down to that sixty. dollars And, you know, that's what's the hardest about all this is you see people who get the answers they need, and then they got to raise this money to have the surgery. Or I have a friend in Florida who is, she was one of the top 20 CrossFitters in the country at one time, and now can barely work out. And we got her to limb. She has it on both sides and her insurance is saying, oh no, there's people in Florida that can do this. And it's like, Okay, if someone's going to drill a hole in your head and you have all three nerves, it's there's only a few in the country that do this, you know, so we're fighting and trying to help her to get her to go see Lim, you know, so that's just that's a really hard to to see that you can't just go where you want to go. Well, they're probably thinking, well, what if people abuse it? I mean, you get a line of people that want someone to drill a hole in their head. Like, no, that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> As you have to be in a pretty dark place to say, yes, I'm going to go for this procedure. Yes, yes. And it's silly. There's been, I mean, it's horrible. My coworker is a Marine veteran and I diagnosed him, helped him, and he had the surgery. And then even our school board trustee, who I've been friends with for five years, she has it and just had surgery nine weeks ago. And she was at a school board meeting on like day nine. <laughs> so uh, it's possible. But yes, the, the Marine, there was someone who told him, oh, did you even really have this? What are the odds that two people at the same workplace have this? You know, you just wanted the surgery. And I'm like, nobody just wants to drill a hole in their head. I mean, there's so many complications. And, you know, if this surgery is done wrong, Uh, There is a thing called anesthesia de la Rosa, which I actually thought was from anesthesia, but it's not. 
And basically is if the neurosurgeon damages your nerve while they're in there, if they don't know what they're doing, then your body feels like it's on fire for the rest of your life. And what can be done? So I actually know three people that that happened to that went elsewhere and we didn't know all this stuff. So now they're trying to explore stuff like stem cells and platelet-rich plasma. And is there something to help repair nerve damage? So, I mean, you know, not anyone's just going to want to go do this. And um, my mom always jokes with me. She's like, Sheena, you can't just tell people you drill a hole in your head. And, you know, like, that's like so blunt. (laughs) But, you know, when you're going through this, you want an answer. And these people are, they're suicidal and they can't live like this. And this is their life. And if drilling a hole in your head to go put a spacer in there fixes this or gives you your life back, I mean, that's, that's where we're at. You know, that's how serious this is. And no one knows about it. (laughs) Exactly. That's why we're having this conversation and try and try and get that out there. Because I mean, if one person listening is suffering from this and simply separating a blood vessel and a nerve would change their life. I mean, amazing. Yes, yes. It's 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 just heartbreaking. And there's even a, an, it's not a cranial nerve. And I also have this as well, but there's also one called occipital neuralgia, uh, which runs up the back of your neck, kind of the sides, and then comes up into your sinuses. So you can get the tingling over the back of your head. So if you're experiencing anything like that, occipital neuralgia is also something you can look into. So there's a Dr. Kat Yall, he's in Dallas, studied at the Cleveland Clinic, and he currently does nerve blocks under general anesthesia, 15 minutes, does my C2 to C5, the greater, the lesser, and then the supratrochlear and supraorbital that are right above your eyes. So if you're getting like sinus pain, all the time and you think you have sinus infections all the time, it could be those nerves as well. So um, there is a surgery for that. I'm hoping I don't need that one. Um, I've heard Dr. Hagen in St. Louis is kind of like the limb of occipital. So that's, um, I have two or three friends that are also going to do that surgery. So there's a huge group of us where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I did two surgeries here. I'm doing the third here or I needed a redo. And it's just like, is this my life? And now the poem that I mentioned, I found that uh, Stanford is actually doing a video because Hopkins took down the video that Dr. Lim did. And he had reached out and said, would you be my patient testimonial? And this was about a year and a half ago, which is how we originally connected. And then I just started, Hey, my cousin, my friend, and, you know, helping refer. So that video is actually finally supposed to be done um, next week to kind of help share that knowledge and hopefully get some more stuff out as well. Brilliant. Well, you mentioned the website. Do you have a web address yet? Not yet. Um, we're working on it. Um, it is going to be MVD Warriors Connect. So MVD Warriors with an S connect um, com.org. We purchased it. Obviously, we still got to, we're in the process of getting it going and and then sharing our stories on there. And really, it's all just about spreading awareness. And, you know, like we say every day, you know, there are so many horrible illnesses out there, but heaven forbid you get one of them. At least, you know, oh, I have this. What are my treatment options? Where with this, people don't even know it's an option, you know? And to me, hey, if 5% of veterans and first responders or athletes have this, it's an option. 
go see if you have it, you know, and, and that needs to get out to the world that this isn't as rare as they say it is. I mean, I've sent 15 people from Texas already for surgery that are now really good friends of mine. And we have this huge community. And what's so beautiful is now they're helping people and they're helping people and everyone's sharing their success because before it's almost like this surgery is looked down upon because yeah, if you go to someone who does it four times a year, I mean, (laughs) you don't, who knows what's going to happen. But if you go to a top specialist who has the technology, the experience, you know, and is doing research, then you can have success with this and that needs to be shared. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to be in Dallas next month um, for the first meeting that I have with Ryan and everyone that's on the Human Performance Project as we start preparing for their crazy, you know, circumnavigation of the globe while they run, swim and leap out of buildings and planes. Um, Talk to me about how you first came across Sons of the Flag and what you do with them now. Yeah. Um, So they actually had a Hummer donated to them. And we're going to raffle it off. And so I work at Planet Ford 635. And then we have a aftermarket lifted truck company known as Rad Rides. So we pretty much just put it together. So, you know, you pick out your wheels, tires, level lift, lights, bumpers, wrap, Kevlar, you name it. So I met Ryan and he's amazing. And I was like, let's get like $30,000 of stuff donated. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. So I go to LinkedIn and reach out to all these aftermarket partners and they all donated to the project. And then we put it all together and did a little bit of mechanical work on it. And then we do a couple big conventions in Dallas. So we would display the vehicle there and sell it. And this happened right during Corona. So we didn't really maximize on as much sales as we could, but they still came out positive, making some money on it. And we do clay shoots and golf tournaments. And, you know, Ryan's story was just so inspirational. And, you know, I hadn't, you hear a lot about mental health and TBI injuries, but I hadn't really heard about, you know, burn survivors. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that, you know? So I was like, we should do an event for you. And he was like, okay. So we did our first event and raised uh, or donated 30,000 to them. And then last year was our second annual and we donated 47,000. And then we're about to have the third annual on August 26th, uh, which will be over 50,000 for them. So my goal is to keep growing and hopefully get that up to 100,000. So that's my my new goal for the future for them. And uh, they're just phenomenal. So I work with, you know, Ryan and Sherry and just doing whatever we can to just get more people involved and connected because they have such a great cause. And then, like I said, they've been so instrumental in giving advice on how I can get, you know, my stuff going. And if I get distracted, then they're like, where are you at? What are you doing? Like, you need to do this. I was like, okay. (laughs) So they're great. Brilliant. Yeah. And I've definitely fired up and some of the most amazing humans. And I'm so excited to, to see, you know, not just the, the the adventure itself, the seven days, you know, going from continent to continent, but the result of this, this this journey yeah. that they're taking to ultimately create a manual that people can prepare for certain occupations, can can you know thrive during them, and then you know transition out and have a healthy you know life after. Oh yeah, I'm excited. I mean, he's literally like a mentor to me because anything he sets his mind to. Like he makes it happen. And that's really, I focus on mindset, positivity, speaking into existence. And 
um, it's just so awesome to hear his ideas and then see them actually come into fruition. Um, even like jumping off the monument, you know, and, and making that happen all come together. Um, so I really admire and I can't wait to see everything come together for him. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to throw a few closing questions at you before I let yeah. you go. The first one I'd love to ask, is there a book or are there books that you love to recommend? It can be pertinent to what we've discussed today or completely unrelated. Yes. So one, I've got a few real quick. Um, there's a book called Four Diets, Four Blood Types, Eat Right for Your Type. And my mom actually gave that to me after surgery. And it breaks down best neutral and bad every food category, you know, meats, vegetables, fruits, spices, based on your blood type. So I was like, this is silly. And I'm O blood. So I started looking through it. And then all a lot of things that caused triggers for me were bad category for O blood. I'm like, this is crazy. So like for O blood, wheat is poison to you and pork is horrible for you. Aspartame, fake sugars, alcohol, obviously. Well, all those bad things are causing additional inflammation in your body. And even for me, like avocados are bad for me. I'm like, who knew? So I tell everyone who's going through migraines, just get this book and and start adapting it and not saying it's going to fix you. But even if you do have trigeminal neuralgia and you're going to have surgery, make this a lifestyle to to limit as much inflammation as possible. Um, And then there's another one, uh, Women Who Say Yes to God. That was a really good one that I read, which is just about, you know, speaking into existence and that, you know, you might be going through some horrible shit in your life, but basically using that as an opportunity to be able to help other people and the people who go through the hardships tend to be able to know God closer. And it's kind of a beautiful blessing. So I have a lot of people who reach out to me, read that and say, you know, Hey, you're going through this horrible thing right now, but God's using you to learn this experience to be able to then go help other people and share your testimony. And then my other favorite, which I read during surgery is a book called unfuck yourself. (laughs) So it is about getting out of your head and stop being in what if land and really being in the present and living your life in the now. So don't worry about the future, worry about the past, focus on the now and really enjoy everything that you are experiencing right now. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah, I've read, I've read the latter. Um, actually, I didn't read it. I had it on the audiobook. And the funny thing is, it's a great book, but it was a strange choice of actor to read the book. Because yeah. I don't know, the, the, the word fuck kind of didn't even seem natural. In it. So I wish yeah, I wish yeah, the yeah. author had just read it. It probably would have been a lot more organic. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, then what about a movie and or documentary? was the one I would say the documentary one that I really liked I forgot the name of it but about the surfer um who her arm was bit off by the shark Bethany Hamilton yeah yes the one that's on Netflix um I forget the name of it but that was pretty inspiring to watch her whole story um and her even surfing when she was pregnant and not letting like anything stop her from her passions and just kind of always pursuing her mindset and positivity and being able to have kids um I kind of love all the documentaries on and even there's one out about the fighter who, when he was fighting, um, lost vision in his eye and then still was able to come back and like win the title. Um, so that was another one that was pretty cool. Oh, that was uh, Michael Bisbing, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah the Unstoppable yeah. was Bethany's one. Bethany was actually yes. on the show and I'm trying to get her back on again. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, oh, cool. phenomenal story. 
Yeah, that that was a really well done documentary. So, and then movies, I can't think. I love so much, totally off topic, but I love crime shows. <laughs> so I like to watch a bunch of crime movies. So I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's like an absolute favorite right now. <laughs> no, that was brilliant though. Those two documentaries are fantastic. All right, well then the next question, is there a person you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military and associated professions of the world? Oh, yeah. Um, So I can connect you for sure with Tom Kerr. He is a Green Beret veteran and he actually has a couple companies, but he started Eighth Order. So they actually take retired military uniforms and then incorporate those into dress shirts kind of, you know, on the cuffs and right here in the collar. So then somebody can honor a unit and or, you know, their own uniform and wear that into transitioning and wearing that into their new career and everyday life to kind of bring that peace with them. Um, so he's doing great things with eighth order. They support tons of veteran and first responder nonprofits. I believe a part of their proceeds goes to camp Southern ground, um, which is another nonprofit that they help. And he supports all of our stuff. And then he was the, the gentleman who actually, you know, Uh, which can happen. I didn't even bring this up. He had jaw surgery thinking that was his problem because that can be your jaw can lock. And they are like, Oh, you have TMJ. Well, he had trigeminal neuralgia the whole time. So he had unnecessary jaw surgery where his mouth was wired shut. And then, Oh, you can touch your face. You don't have TN. And then we cross paths on LinkedIn and he's the one that had the surgery. And I remember like a week later, I'm like, Hey, how are Oh, he's like, Oh, I'm already working. (laughs) like, of course you are. So he actually had trigeminal neuralgia and went through this and he can tell you some pretty phenomenal stories about, you know, everything he's experienced too and his company. So he'd be perfect. Brilliant. And what about Dr. Lim? Is he the kind of person that would come on a podcast, you think? He might. He's actually kind of more shy, (laughs) but um, he would be a great person. I think we should try to get him on the podcast for sure. Um, He the thing I love about him is he's not afraid to openly talk about God and doing God's work. So, um, you know, there's a lot of surgeons who are super arrogant or may even think they're God. Lim literally will say, you know, I am blessed to be able to be doing God's work through my hands. And, you know, that's how I truly feel. I feel like my purpose is to share the story and get people to him. And then he's able to help people. And like I said, they do absolutely nothing for me. It's just like we said, if five minutes of my knowledge can change someone's life. But I think that would be great to kind of hear more of the um, medical side of, you know, what he's actually doing in there and why he does it. And he's actually also a specialist in acoustic neuroma tumors as well. Yeah, no, it'd be amazing. I actually read a book, beautiful book, tragically beautiful, called When Breath Becomes Air. And it was written by a neurosurgeon um, who was basically going through, I think, all the way up to residency, he himself got brain cancer. Oh, wow. As he's writing this book. So, um, you know, and then again, when we talk about sleep, when I read this book and, and was talking to this with one of the guests a little while ago, as a responder, as someone who now, you know, is, you know, glaringly obvious the damage that sleep deprivation does, and you look at the residency, especially in neurosurgery, you know, there's that kind of irony that the very skill they're learning, again, is is killing them. So I think, you know, all these different lenses that he would have would probably be fascinating. 
Yeah, no. And when you told me that when we first spoke, I had never even heard that. So to me, you know, that's another thing that needs to get out there that, you know, like you said, the sleep deprivation can be causing these symptoms as well. And it's just like, how is this stuff not out there for everyone to know? Yeah. What is, what is a, you know, dumb firefighter <laughs> have to get off his ass and create a podcast to disseminate knowledge that the general public sure yes. have. But it's true. You know, I mean, sadly, that that's the way it is. You know, if not me, then who, as they say, and that's not an arrogant thing. It's just I was coming from a very well-educated health background as an athlete, as a coach, as an exercise physiology graduate, as a paramedic. And I wasn't seeing this in my, you know, atmosphere. So the average person walking around sure as hell isn't getting this information. Yeah. And, and same with me, like I'm the most humble person and for, to be Dr. Lim's seventh bilateral patient. And now alone, I've probably sent him 30 people who are bilateral. So this is very common from head trauma. And I used to think I can't be that person that's like, figuring this out or is this different? And then now it's just become more apparent. Like maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm helping. Like maybe he's going to study my aunt, me and my cousin next to figure out, you know, is there gene mapping that can be done to figure out what actually is going on here, you know? And it just kind of, it keeps surprising me every day. And, and like I said, with that poem, you know, I look back and now I have my why this is why this happened. And I have my purpose and my passion now. Amazing. All right. Well, then one last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you. What do you do to decompress these days? Oh, gosh. Well, I used to shoot shotguns, (laughs) but now I can't do that anymore. (laughs) So um, I would say working out. I just did 75 hard. So that really has reduced a lot of the inflammation in my body. Um, I lost 12 pounds, got a lot more muscle, eating healthy and really making it a lifestyle. So even if you do have this surgery, it's not a one and done. Uh, We are actually always considered in remission. If the spacer moves, if you get in a car accident and hit your head, uh, too much inflammation in the body. So now it's become this lifestyle change. So I actually love working out. I never, if you would have asked me this book question like two years ago, (laughs) I would have had nothing to say. And through the surgeries and through 75 hard, I love to read. So now I'm starting to read every day and love getting recommendations from people. So that's kind of a way for me to focus and reset and have that kind of meditation time and, and learning new things. Um, And then in our city, we have a group called the Garland foodies. So they actually promote local small family businesses and people go eat at these restaurants, take pictures. So we really love to go to a Japanese restaurant called Ibisu and they have the most, they got number one sushi in Dallas and it's a hole in the wall. And I love just different cultures, cuisines, food, people. So that's fun for me to try, you know, new places and new things. And trying to think what else I, like I said, I love shooting. So that's gone now. So I'm kind of just trying to dive into really anything outdoors. I love just being outside. So I've actually thought about trying to get into swimming and if that could possibly, you know, just keep things stretched out as well. So, and then obviously helping everyone with TN. I mean, every day, I just never know when it's going to happen via Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and now even friends are sharing, Hey, my friend has this, can you help them? And just a message comes in and then we just start messaging and talking and, you know, getting them connected. And, you know, that's the best feeling in the world when you're able to help, you know, someone get some hope and faith and hopefully get validation. 
Absolutely. Well, you touched on social media. So where can people find you online? Yeah. So um, LinkedIn. Uh, so it's Sheena Sharapata. Pretty much post the same thing over all avenues. And then um, Instagram is S Sharapata. And then Facebook, you can add me, Sheena Sharapata. So we're basically sharing other people's stories. And then eventually we'll have that MVD Warriors Connect website up as well. So. Well, Sheena, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story. Um, so often people have had mental health or physical health, you know, crucibles that they've gone through. But the power of storytelling and and spreading the word and giving people that are suffering now hope, I think, is so important. So thank you for being so generous with your time today. Thank you for being the warrior that fought through it um, and going for the hole in your head. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) most importantly, for telling your story today. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it so very much. And um, just having the opportunity to share this and, you know, to help save lives. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Just trying to help each other and get some answers and get this awareness out there on trigeminal neuralgia. 